Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gotta go, Wendy. Gotta get out of my club. Gotta go. Gotta get out. 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 Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. <laughs> and our tactics guy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so jerky. <laughs> Our tactics guy and a man who thought he'd lost all hope and now definitely has lost all hope. It's Nathan Lee Clark. Hello, Nathan. That's me. <laughs> that was a great start, Barney, because like, you made me smile. I needed that. Lovely. I like to th- I like to think that people can judge my mood by my one word hello. So I really <laughs> I really practice it and to see see what I can put into it. So I, I thought I would. Um, do a, send in a curvy one, one a ball. What do you call it? Outside the box, though. I think the pod needed that, needed that start because yeah, it, it's very possible for this to be an exceptionally downbeat podcast. Although, having said that, having said that, we've literally just had a conversation before we hit record about how little we felt about Sunday's game, and we'll definitely come onto that. And before we do, thank you uh, for all the emails. As you can imagine, after a defeat, our inbox gets filled up pretty quickly. Some very angry um, writing, some a bit like us, like not feeling much about it, just like completely disengaged with the club. And some people making like very, I think, sensible, like forward thinking suggestions about how we move forward from here. Um, so I want to especially mention Sean Renft, uh James Sullivan, Anas, special thank you to Anas, that was a really sweet email you sent. Um, John Youngblood, Kevin Rose, Ethan Klausner, Per Tunholt, who was telling me that it's actually fine to eat steak after all. Um, Phil Krebs, and a special shout out to David Reynolds. Um, well, I like this question. Adam to UDM says, "If you didn't have football, what sport or hobby could fill the void?" Bardi is not allowed to say running, and I think this is a good one to start off with because obviously uh, we essentially don't have football <laughs> right now as Spurs fans. Um, Bardi, what would fill your void if you weren't allowed to watch football anymore? I'm currently filling my void by working on my allotment. So nice. basically I spend hours rolling around in the mud to then come home and watch the football and watch Spurs roll around in the mud. So there's, there's some kind of parallel life going on here. But I really enjoy my allotment. I've not planted anything other than just dug and weeded and dug. Weeds get everywhere, man. I've, I've never understood. I've never had to work the earth before, but now I'm, I'm getting a whole new appreciation for it. Bardi, some of our some of our listeners, most loyal listeners, Listeners would uh, say that you've been in the mud for many years. Um, Nathan, <laughs> what would what would be your sport or hobby that would fill the void? Mm. I mean, I, I do have other hobbies, but like those those currently coexist, right? I wonder if like to fill the hole of like being a tactics nerd, if I would be like really into chess or like <laughs> or maybe like war tactics, like battle tactics stuff. Jesus, like a historian kind military of military history. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> no, no, you're not a warmonger. <laughs> No, but like, uh, you know, whilst obtaining that knowledge so that it's the end, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't add up, does it? I don't know. Have you, have you seen the new Last Kingdom, uh, the movie that's come out on Netflix? I have not. Have you, are you a fan of The Last Kingdom? I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Watch The Last Kingdom. It's really good. Okay. And the movie was um, very enjoyable. Yeah. I've often pondered volleyball as a sport. Kind of um, find it interesting. There's some tactics involved. 
don't, you don't, no one ever seems to get that upset about volleyball. No one seems to get that passionate about it. So you're never going to, never going to sit there and cry that your volleyball team has just bottled it. So perhaps volleyball, maybe they all seem to, no one, no one ever plays volleyball and looks unhappy. So I think maybe <laughs> that would be my sport. Okay. Didn't expect that one straight out of the left field. Um, I, I, I think I would just fill my, fill my time with, um, with more of the same stuff that I already do, to be honest, there wouldn't be anything new. Um, other things would just expand, right? I'd probably, I'd probably go for more walks. Um, SA Tourism Board, that's Clemmy, isn't it? I think that's Clemmy's latest screen name on the Discord. It says, whose house do we burn down first? Clearly the booing isn't working. Shout out to Phil Davinson for um, steadying the ship yesterday. He came on and sorted things right out. He did, he did, he did. He, um, he, was, he was not a problem, I would say. Let's do it. Let's 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 get stuck into this. And um, as ever, we should start with a team selection. Um, we I got mean, what we wanted, Wendy. This <laughs> is what we were crying out for on the podcast. We got what we asked for. We wanted a back four. We got a back four. We wanted. We said Saar had a, a good game in Milan and that he should be getting more minutes. We got what we wanted. Yay! <laughs> I, I did not get what I wanted, Nathan. I did not get what I wanted. What I really wanted was Dan Juma to start. Mm. Um, okay, so so... Would if, that have improved us defensively? Huh? Would that have improved us defensively? I, th- I think if... so. I think so. Here's why. Here's why. I- if I were inexplicably thrown in to be caretaker manager of Spurs, um, my my debut match as um, a coach being at St. James's Park, here are the, the three things that I would have implemented. Um, bearing in mind, I had a week to do it. Um, I would have um, played a 4-2-3-1. Um, which I think is a system that that every player in our squad has would have played and been familiar with uh, over time, except perhaps Pedro Porro, actually. Perisic. Oh, I wouldn't have played Perisic. <laughs> let's, let's put that right yeah. out there. Go on. Um, then. You need to name your. You need to name your. Back I, I, I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. Um, the second thing I would have done was was have us essentially man mark Bruno Gimaraes, who is Newcastle's best player and the player that dictates the tempo for them, runs the game for them week to week to week. That's something that you can pick up on from watching match of a day highlights, let alone watching actual matches. I think that was the plan with Skip. It, it cannot have been the plan. Okay. <laughs> and the third thing I would have done is say, right, this Newcastle are uh, a team on the up. Their fans are very excited. Don't concede early. Quite the fans. Just keep it tight. Keep it steady for the first few minutes. Keep things tight. Let the fans get on their backs. Uh, and then, you know, build into the game as you go. Don't do anything rash to begin with. Um, ease your way in. And, and I feel like they're quite basic, simple requirements. Mean, okay, I'm saying that I'll play 4-2-3-1 as if, I, if, if that's a tactical system. Of course, that's not a tactical system. That's, that's a way of setting up your players. There has to be a system within that and how high your defence is and how whether you press or sit off is is kind of uh, a required element of, of the tactical approach. Uh, and I think you can do either of those. I think the problem is that Spurs did a bit of both and ended up doing neither. Um, go on then, I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the 11 I'd have picked to, to make Bardi happy. Uh, I would have picked Fraser Forster in goal yeah, because start. I think Hugo Lloris is, is affecting us now in a negative way in nearly every match he plays. I would have picked a back four of Pedro Porro, Christian Romero, Eric Dyer, and whoever was fit enough to play left back out of Longley and Ben Davis. And if not, then fuck it, Jaffet Tanganga or left back. I would have picked uh, the fittest two midfielders out of Saar, Skip and Hoybier. I don't think it matters really, like in terms of style, which play, just like whoever's the fittest. And then I would have picked Son on the left, um... Dan Juma and Kane as like a front pair, but probably Kane as a 10 and just put him on Gimaraish. And then I'd pick Kudosetsky on the right, but I would have been very willing to also pick Richarlison. Like I would have happily had Richarlison for any of, of those players as well, um, should there be any knocks or, or, you know, anything going on there. Uh, and yeah, Kane, just sit on Gimaraish. When when we don't have possession, your job is to stop Gimaraish getting on the ball and dictating tempo. That's the biggest tactical thing that I'd have done. Essentially, he ran that game from minute yeah. one to minute 90. He's an exceptional player and you give him any space and he will make you pay. And 
the amount of space we gave him was utterly unacceptable. What do we think of the lineup? I mean, I'm not sure about Dan Juma and Harry Kane up front, but um, I kind of get it. If you were going to play a back four, I think you needed at least one fullback who could defend. And I, I would have gone Tanganga at left back um, over Perisic if I was going to play a back four. Yeah. Has Perisic ever played uh, left back before? Maybe to see out games occasionally mm. here and there, but not in not not really, you know, not really. He plays on the wing for Croatia. So I, I, I don't want us to break down every goal because I think that's going to be, that would be a... I'm ready to do that, by the way. Really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, by all means. I mean, for me, so so um, Alan Smith for the first goal was going in on Pedro Porro, who for me had an impossible situation to defend. He had a two one against two. one. Mm-hmm. And he made the decision to watch the run of the overlapping player, which I don't think is an unreasonable decision let the it's player, the yeah, let, let Joe Ellington come inside and take the shot and essentially ask Romero to try and block the shot or stop the shot being taken. The other side of the pitch, Ivan Perisic has a look at Jacob Murphy, has another look at Jacob Murphy. All the time he's watching his position. And then inexplicably, as Joe Ellington steps inside to take a shot, he doesn't watch Jacob Murphy anymore. And before you know it, Jacob Murphy has made a run beyond Perisic and has an open, well, it's... It's not an easy chance, actually. He sticks it away really well, but he has a free shot on goal. Um, in my view, that goal is mostly on Ivan Perisic. And, uh, and 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 that was not surprising to me. Perisic defending in a back four is, is alien to him. He's been really poor defensively all season. And I think it was a very peculiar decision to start him. Um I don't agree. I I, I recognise Perisic's mistake in, in failure to pick up the loose ball and be aware of the man over his shoulder. But before that, there's lots of mistakes. So mm. Saar loses the ball in midfield quite poorly um, and then is again also poor, trying to win it back straight after. Um, I agree that Porro was, was fine. He picked his option. Romero was therefore responsible for going the other way. He didn't. He also he doubled the, to protect the outside. Hoybier comes in too deep away and doesn't protect the inside. So... Um, Number of mistakes for the initial shot, which which is an inexcusable shot to concede. Um, yeah, that's fair. At any point in the game, but but especially in the opening minute. Um, and then yet yeah, then then it's Perisic's mistake. Um, I actually don't blame Hugo for the spill so much. So no, he no. that one off. Yeah, I do blame Hugo for the spill. I think in the semi final Man U against Brighton, a very similar situation occurred, and Sanchez was able to get proper wrist on it and push it away, and that's what he should have done. Um, I think the defending on that first goal was really non-committal and it reminded me a lot of the goal we conceded against Sheffield United where a player kind of wanders into the box and the rest of our team are just frozen and just afraid of, of attempting yeah, to tackle. That's a, that's a really good comparison. Um, they're just allowed to get the shot away. This happens week in, week out. There's a constant kind of hands behind the back, a, a leg not even dangled, just really non-committal. And then from then on, I just think it's a, a group of players caught in a system they're not used to. The ball lob, it goes over Romero's head. Um, he's out of position. It's, it's just a mess. I, I think there's, there's real problems with Tottenham right now. And I kind of hoped we'd be able to stumble across and perhaps pick up top four, but now I'm really concerned. Yeah, we're not, we're not getting top four. That's been on that's been in my view that's not been possible for for a while um nathan do you want to go through all the goals in all seriousness okay, okay so second goal there's no pressure on the long ball over the top from kane or son yeah um and then it's um dyer and poro step up and romero doesn't step up the offside line yeah and so is it joison is is onside yeah um goal number three um, Jacob Dyer Murphy's. plays a risky pass into Sun, who is receiving back to goal in that position that he always loses the ball and then he loses the ball. It, but it, uh, to be fair to Sun on that one, it's not only a risky pass; it's a pass that's really difficult for Sun to control because it's actually like not sure. into his feet; it's away from him. It's just a terrible pass from Eric Dyer. Except in um, in, both, in concept and execution, both fullbacks are being wingbacks and quite out of the picture. Saar doesn't put pressure on the shot but you know how often do you can see a shot like that from Jacob Murphy yeah I'll give 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 him some leniency on that one right and and, and Hugo Lloris is absolutely rooted doesn't move doesn't move yeah and and when you true. see it when you see the replay from behind the goal like if he died for that he can he can stop that in my view He's flat-footed. Gone before. We're on the break. Kulosevsky loses the ball. Poro continues his run on in behind <laughs> anyway. Uh, then it's Sun's job to put pressure on, on the midfield. Um, 
Uh, no pressure on, on on Willock for the ball. And then again, Romero has stepped up and Dai hasn't. But um, the two centre-backs are really dragged far over towards the ball side as if that there is a third mm. left centre-back with them, but there isn't. Yeah, um, yeah. And Dai just gets dusted for pace. I, I think on that goal, I'm... I'm really tempted with that one just to say, you know what, there's some little mistakes along the way, but the board is so it's unbelievably exceptional that like you just don't concede that normally. Like it's it's it's, a good it's pass. unbelievable. I'd, it's a good it pass, is. but it's a situation he's in a situation where he the opportunity to do that pass is on and yeah. he's done yeah. fair fair play for for achieving it. It's maybe I don't know, a um three out of five times that he completes that but it's not no, an impossible no, no, pass no. for a professional footballer no no outside of the right foot first time well that's like look a, where our that's a one are. in look ten look how split look how this is like when you play football manager with Leighton Orient and your centre-backs just go wandering all over the pitch that's um, it's uh, an it's, achievable pass yeah it's it's a well done play and like just like the the one before right Murphy's one it's like okay how often are you going to concede that goal um, but our defence is all over the place. Like, there's so much space mm. in the areas wide of our back too. Um, uh, can, can I just add on, on those two goals as well that I don't think Jacob Murphy tries that shot or Joe Willock tries that pass had they not been tuned up and just had that sure. immense confidence boost sure. because um, like we are so catastrophically terrible at the 2-0 point they're like right we've got this we're on it they're like zipped into like top gear really quickly and they took full advantage. To, to like... To phrase it mathematically, right, in terms of expected goals, they've put up, what, 1.8 to 2, depending on your model, in, in that period of time. So, okay, oh, they've managed to score five goals from only two expected goals. That's a little unlucky, but also we conceded two fucking yeah. expected goals inside 20 minutes, yeah. right? So Either it, way, it's, unacceptable. It's a combination of being really quite bad and being maximally unlucky on top yeah. of that, right? They yeah. scored from every attack. So uh, forget the sixth goal. That's after we changed to a back three, right? Um I think that we set up um, with this sort of 4-2-3-1 where the two central midfielders are very deep and the number 10 is Skip and he's very deep. I didn't too. see it like that. You didn't see it like No, that. no. I saw Saar in the middle of Skip and Hoybier meant to be the deeper player. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't think anyone was given the task of pressuring Gimaraes at all. Okay. I'm just judging by the fact that I counted. I gave up counting how many times he received the ball in space with no pressure on the ball. And my my partner was getting annoyed at me because I kept I kept saying we're doing it, we're doing it again, we're doing it again. She's like, okay, I get it. You can stop now. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I felt you know the idea was that we we compensate for how attacking our fullbacks are with a with an overly cautious and defensive midfield, right? Mm-hmm. But it didn't it didn't materialize in any meaningful way. Like we didn't. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't drop midfielders into the back line. We didn't use midfielders to cover the wide areas. They were just there, being not great progressors of the ball in front of bad defenders. Yeah, yeah. There's no they screen. Were, they were There's no screen. They were traffic yeah. cones. They were passed around. They they barely moved. Saar didn't know whether to close. He didn't know what to do. Hjoibe waved his arms around. He did nothing. Skip was in this kind of B-Tech Barella role, trying to break into the front line instead of trying to help out his defence. It was a real mess. A real mess of a, of a midfield trio. The whole team structure system was a mess though it's i don't think it's just i think hmm. i think the midfielders but in some ways your brain it's your heart that's yeah that's where you're meant to have some semblance of control but from the first second you could see they were all over the place they i felt like they genuinely didn't know in what situations they were meant to press and in what situations they were meant to sink behind the ball and as a result of that they did neither and allowed newcastle just to have touches built like they're just building confidence constantly. Every time they had the ball, it's like they can slice through the midfield at will if they want to because Spurs are doing neither the containing job or the the, the high-octane pressing job. So they, they can choose what to do at any opportunity. And as a result of that, you've got players like Jacob Murphy who, let's be honest, Jacob Murphy before... Championship player. Championship player. Yeah. Championship player. Um, Sean Longstaff. <laughs> Sub-championship player, in my opinion, but let's not go into that right now. 
and, and, and the list can go on. These, these, like some of these Newcastle players, I get that Eddie Howe has worked wonders with them. He has genuinely developed them into useful, functioning players in, in the setup that he's created, the system that he's created at Newcastle. But these aren't players that would get in the Spurs team or that we would want in the Spurs team. Like, man for man, we are better than that Newcastle team, in my no, opinion. No, because you know what they've got? They've got legs, man. These, this team can run. This team gets about the pitch. Longstaff is, is, is rubbish and Willock is, is not great, but he's got that engine. He gets across the pitch like none of our players can do. And then in amongst that, you've got guys who have a bit of touch, a bit of class. Bruno, Isaac, um, Trippier. You've got Botman, who's a wonderful defender. And then on top of that, you've got a goalkeeper who very rarely does a clanger. And then around then, you've got, you've got workhorses. So he's put together a team with a little bit of touch, but then a little bit of legs. And I think that's a huge difference between us and them, man. But our team is so slow and so ponderous. Just not ponderous in the way they move the ball, just the way they move in general, covering covering spaces. But that's that's system, that's confidence, that's... I mean, there is definitely a degree of fitness, but in the side the, inside the first 20 minutes of this match, I don't think you can say it's stamina. I don't think you can say it's like... We, we've just brought in Pap Sar, who's like a genuinely really excellent athlete... Who gets around that we've seen him get around the he's pitch really players. well. He's barely barely, he's cut totally fresh. And he is being run ragged by a midfield of Longstaff, Gimrush, who's brilliant, and and Willock. Like that shouldn't and Oliver Skip, who um was it Frankie de Jong when he played against him, said like this skip guy's everywhere. Like he's talking about him as if he he's just all over the pitch, like cutting things out. Skip's a, got a great engine on him. Like there are lots of question marks about Oliver Skip, but one thing he can do is get up and down the pitch. I think honestly, this is this is simply a Newcastle team who are coached incredibly well, are buoyant because they they have faith in the system. Um, they they know their roles, they know what they're meant to do in any given situation. They work for one another um, against a team that has run out of ideas. Like it's it's the it's contable when Conte ball goes wrong but it's worse than that now because it's like yeah. they tried to make some tweaks around the edges of Conte ball and those are making Conte ball worse this uh, is why he doesn't this is why he never made tweaks <laughs> this is why he did, never looked at a back four or anything like that that's you know Conte had this team Conte had this team which is part which is his fault as well he had this team that wasn't working and he wrapped it in sellotape and it was able to keep the rain out but we weren't happy with it. And then all of a sudden he steps away. You give it to his, to his bin man. And, it, and then you realise that perhaps we were so crap, but at least we were getting results with the crap structure that we had. He somehow got us through this. And now you give We'd it to somebody else. We'd stop getting results, man. That, that sellotape roof was leaking. I appreciate it's now crashed <laughs> in and we're drowning, but it, it, was, it was not holding together. We, we, the results had turned, you know. Perhaps. But um, we've conceded, well, I don't know what it is, 14, 14 goals since Ben Davies got injured. Just want Ben back. <laughs> Just want Ben back. I apologise because I, I like Ben. I like Ben so much. And then I, I turned against Ben and some idiots out there were like, oh, no, he's turned against Ben. Yeah, just bring back bring back Ben. But but I do think, Barney, that, that trying to sort of say, you know, if we just had Ben Davis, then everything would be fine. Like, and I'm not, like, I know you're not saying that, but yeah. taking that to its extreme, I do think that's like, it's, I do think it's missing the point because honestly, our players right now look like League One level players and they're not League One. These are good players. Like some of them are exceptional players. Some of them are good players. Some of them are, are going to be at the max a squad player for us going forward, right? And I think it's fine that if you want to get rid of Dyer and Hoybier, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Like I'm not, I'm not going to, go to battle to keep either of those guys. I think they're absolutely fine deputies. I don't want either of them starting, ideally, um, going forward. Um, but these, like, we're being made to look like we- League One players by the lack of functioning system. And Newcastle exposed that because they've got a functioning system. It's so good. And the problem is we've got <laughs> a run-in now where we play a bunch of teams where the systems have clicked. Um, they're in good places. And we're going to be exposed like this. Yeah. I mean, I... I who knows with Man U because they're a little bit of Jacqueline Hyde, but against Liverpool, it is not going to be pretty. Against Crystal Palace, who Roy Hodgson has suddenly got functioning, it's not going to be pretty. Villa, Emery's got them playing out their skins, it's not going to be pretty. Thomas Franks Brentford, it's going to be ugly. Leeds, fine, you know, we could, we may, we'll probably beat Leeds. Leeds are fucking the, terrible, but the point is they'll be already relegated, so <laughs> they'll be much better, and then we'll, we'll fuck up. Yeah, they'll probably play the youth or something and beat us with kids. Yeah, um, but 
we we might get a manager in who fixes these players, and then I'll go. Okay, maybe maybe it was the managers, but I've got no faith in these idiots. I have zero faith in them being able. to And put I do understand that. I get that. Like you've been driven to that point by this two and a half years. Aside three years, aside from Conte's brilliant six months where he he propelled us to top four. Aside from that, we've had three years of essentially low block encounter with. Um, players being asked to perform roles that that they don't excel at and with us not having very much of the ball. Uh, And when we do have the ball, there's a very like predictable get it to Kane, it gets to Son and we hope for the best. I totally get why you're fed up of a lot of the players because I I feel fed up with a lot of them as well. But I honestly, I still harbour this belief that you put a proper coach in charge who actually wants to improve, work with players individually and improve them and come up with an overarching system that suits them. I think we're just going to, our perception of these players will just change almost overnight. Um, Five of these idiots um, were at the Newcastle game when we lost 5-1 when they were relegated. Five of them were still here. So that's... So uh, who, who, would that, who would that... I'm trying to work out who that would be. So Lloris, Kane, Kane Lur- Dyer, Son. Son. Ben Davies. He wasn't playing this one though. <laughs> So Ben, ben who you want back? Three players you've been exceptional, accepting them out. It just it has been a real turnover, and I know Son and Kane are exceptional players, but this just comes down to the root of it that there's just nothing. It's the same, the same people, man. Five years ago, and the same thing happens again. I thought it was strange that Sky didn't mention this five-one that often because we have been pumped there more times than yeah. just 1996 or 97 when we lost by seven. Yeah. It feels so hopeless. I think the message I'm trying to put across is this this feels like such a low ebb, but like we are one good managerial appointment away from from fighting for Champions League football again next season, honestly. And some good squad management from a good director of football. I mean there's 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 a tough amount of sales that has to be done now, but I still definitely agree with your overall point that it it seems so bad. The the five one that you just mentioned broke my heart, man. Mm-hmm. That was a really difficult time. Like I I said before and spoke about many times. Like generally, um, although I care about Spurs very much, I'm quite good at compartmentalizing it and not allowing football to affect my general day to day life and my mood. But that five one defeat really genuinely made me very sad. This I I'm already like one foot out the door, Same. you know. So it, it was it, it, I'm kind of pretty numb to it. I didn't have any expectation going into. I still didn't expect to lose six one, right? But I didn't have any expectation going into the game. Um, with all that established, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think that you hire a good director of football, you appoint a good manager. You know, we still have a lot of things in our favour, uh, and maybe one of those things is that we have to. St- get some money out of Kane and Son and, and move on from them and rebuild. Um, there's definitely a lot of work to do now with the squad. There's a hell of a lot of selling that needs to be done yeah. and, and that's difficult, but definitely agree with your general point that it feels so awful right now, but um, like they're not going to... Um, we're not going to have to remortgage the stadium, right? No one's no one's going to kick us out, right? We're not going to lose the assets that we've built or the, the foundation that we have. Um, we're just making a real fucking mess of it right now. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's humiliating more than anything. Like the the nature of that defeat, being five nil down inside twenty one minutes, is that's something that like rival fans will use that against us for many years to come. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was pathetic. Um, it's a blot on our club's history. But like we're at such a low ebb anyway. It doesn't matter. Like doesn't we matter. we need to just move on. This season needs to finish asap. Just whatever happens, just get it get it over and done with, and start afresh in the summer. And there, like if it is Nagelsmann and and the links are, are becoming stronger and stronger today, there will be such a sense of optimism over the summer. And as a fan base, we'll instantly feel so much better about things. Um, and next season can be fun again. Can I talk about Nogsman now, or do we want to save that for later, just because you mentioned his name? Should we do some more questions first? All right. So Leonardo Dosserat said, don't these guys get bonuses for a top four finish? They certainly should. They just didn't look motivated today in addition to being lost. So uh, they they definitely will get bonuses for yep. a Champions League finish. That is absolutely uh, unequivocal. Um, my view was, or my perception was, that they it wasn't they looked unmotivated. Uh, they looked confused after all the goals. They were like looking around at each other as if to say, "But, but, but you were meant to." And then, and then that didn't happen. And then what? So what's happened that they couldn't get their heads around what was going on? They just they looked 
Like there was a lack of understanding was my view rather than lack of motivation. Did you did you see unmotivated players? Um, I would say demotivated rather than unmotivated, mm-hmm. right? So like, I mean, it's it's a good point with, with the Champions League bonus, right? It's like uh, people talk about football players as if like they're just completely lazy and uninterested. And I don't think that's true. I think that they're miserable and um mentally and physically exhausted and fed up and like we're we're, we're literally on this podcast saying yeah i don't really care that much because i'm numb to it they're numb to it too yeah and that is yeah. what happens when you're numb to how you yourselves are playing on the pit that's a really good yeah. point really really good point um bardi colby says i saw someone on the bird app suggest that this game is a symbolic changing of the guard of newcastle replacing us in the big six <laughs> do you agree with the assessment no, that's some bullshit because um, otherwise you'd be saying, what about Chelsea, Liverpool, everybody else? There's always going to be movement up and down amongst the, the top teams. I don't think this is, I don't think there's anything symbolic in this. I, uh, I get it. I get it. I think, yeah, they're massively on the up. Um, they're going to spend a lot of money over the next few years and there's just not that much room in the big six for seven or eight teams, you know? I just think it becomes, the big six becomes something bigger. In Italy in the 90s, they had the Sette Sorelle, the seven sisters, where you had seven teams who could possibly win the title. And I think that's kind of what will happen. Well, I don't think it's always going to be City, but I think you would end up having seven or eight teams fighting for top four places. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the situation with Newcastle is essentially what happened with Man City. And they're at that stage mm-hmm. that Man City were at, where they were making not quite the top tier signings, but the, the tier below that. Um, and I think we'll see that over the summer. You know, they, they could rival us for James Madison, for example, and that would be really frustrating. But like, he's not he's not elite. He's he's mm. really good, but he's not elite. Um, I think that's the kind of level. It's nowhere near as fun as Man City when they got their money. That was just brilliant. Because it was novel then, wasn't it? Yeah, they were going out and buying anybody. Rubinho, £100 million for Kaká. Elano. Yeah, they were going crazy for people. Yeah. They didn't know what to do with it at the time. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Newcastle seemed like they are being fairly smart about it, Mm. unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, already the signs, you know, Gimaraes and Isaac are just brilliant players, aren't they? Yeah. They're they're fantastic. They're the kind of signings that we would have loved Spurs to have made. Yes. They they were literally on my list. Nick Pope, Sven Botman. Um, Alexander Isak and Bruno Gimaraes yes give me all of those I yeah. said Nick Pope on this podcast you did but, uh, you did yeah, no one remembers those moments <laughs> yeah, like smart smart signings like really good use of the funds okay they may have spent a lot of money but it's it's, it's, it's very good use um, Ivan Victor says on Friday at 2-0 down Zinchenko initiated a huddle but we at no point had a leader to do such a thing. Ponder why. We have Luis and Kane, both international captains. Neither can see fit to try and reset our shambles. There needs to be a root and branch change to instill a winning mentality and a pride in the team. Um, do either of you think this was due to a lack of leadership on the pitch? I mean, I think there's absolutely a case for a lack of leadership off the pitch, but on the pitch? Uh, the the necessary characters are there, right? Kane, um, you know, Hoiberg, Dyer, all, all, all the types of people. Yeah, and the experience of, of some of you know our older players too. Um, but it's just the situation, right? If if we were on a winning streak, you might see those types of behaviours. If we had a system we believed in, a coach that we believed in, if we were heading in the right kind of direction, on a, on a larger scale then that's when those kind of things materialise but you don't see those kind of things when the team are absolutely stinking the place out because because you don't get the buy-in from the other players mm. so what's the point mm. I'm often very sceptical about this kind of stuff especially when it involves Arsenal players there is a lot of pandering towards the social media and the masses and I do think Arsenal doing their little huddle reminds you of kind of Liverpool doing their huddle in this in the season <laughs> Gerard fell over. So I yeah. think it's I think it's a lot of bullshit. I'd rather just have individuals step up and be leaders. Um, they are bottling title as well, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Also, I think we have seen the Amazon documentary, and I don't think Kane is quite the not really the wordsmith to galvanise people. He'll just <laughs> <laughs> everyone gather around and throw a couple of f bombs around, and that's not going to help anybody. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I felt like it didn't need uh, motivational words. It needed some instructions on how to stop the rot. Um, and I don't know. Like, it's impossible to know whether we have that level of tactical nous within our ranks on the pitch. Um, we, we just don't get that level of insight, unfortunately. Um, before we go on to talk about uh, Julian Nagelsmann and Mauricio Pochettino and Daniel Levy, I will hand over to Bardi for our partnership because we are once again partnered with Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because my health is important to me and so is my time. 
I don't like things to take ages. I'm quick and direct. I'm like Newcastle in that sense. Why mess around with tippy-tapping all your separate supplements when you can just go right for the big hit all at once in no time? Bury those supplements like they're a bunch of weak-minded idiots from North London. The wonderful thing about AG1 is you know what you're getting and how it's going in your body. The terrible thing about Spurs is it's like a suppository and no one likes to take their vitamins that way. So embrace AG1. Pour, scoop and shake the good stuff straight into your body. Don't faff about wasting time. AG1 good, Spurs bad. Stellini out, AG1 in. Make good decisions every day. Daniel Levy, start making good decisions and start drinking AG1, mate. <laughs> now, Bardi's favourite moment of every week is is when he receives the review of his latest ad read on Twitter, <laughs> which is which is always very enjoyable. Um, Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover, which cost him $100 a day. Um, it's also a climate neutral certified company to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch again that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance 1982 there are fabulous writers in this edition as there are in the others if you are interested in getting hold of this, you need to go to 1882fanzine.com where you can order all of the back catalogue, and I recommend you do. We will also put the details in our show notes so that you can refer back and find out where to get it in future. Do get this. It's a wonderful piece of work. It's pocket size, so you can take it with you to Spurs. And all of the writing is just fabulous. So... 1882fanzine.com and we're delighted to be partnered with this lovely fanzine. So go on, Nathan, tell us about Nagelsmann. What's, what's, uh, what, what's changed this week? What do you think's happening there? So apparently he, he is disinterested in the Chelsea gig because he sees that they're a mess, right? He's recognising that they've got 30 first-team young players who need developmental game time. Um, the the, the higher-ups don't really know what they're doing the whole thing's a mess. They had a, they had a, um, they had Graham Potter in who had, you know, a long-term vision, um, and they've immediately thrown that out because because things are stuttering, and he's gone. This is this is a mess. I don't want this gig. And um, the initial reporting coming from sort of Chelsea areas was that that don't assume that means that he's going to be in for the Spurs job. And then later coming from Germany. Um, some of their not super super reliable stuff um, were saying actually no he's he's definitely considering the Spurs job now you know that's that's kind of what's left and so the natural reaction for Spurs fans following our performance against Newcastle is to go well he's going to see that we're a mess too um, 
and I'm sympathetic to that, but I think that we we just don't have we're not as big a mess as Chelsea, right? Like we said earlier, you bring in a competent director of football, um, you you remember what we are. You remember that that we're a club who need to buy younger players and develop right. them over time, right? And and potentially sell them on, and and it's so easily fixed. We 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 you know go for forwards thinking football. We play young players. I I think if I'm um, if I'm Nagelsmann, I'm looking at Spurs going, yeah, I can, I can, I can, work I can with really this. work with this and, and earn back some credit after what happened at Bayern, um, because I can turn this mess around. Whereas Chelsea, I'm not sure that I could. Yeah. Chelsea feels like a tanker to turn around right now, doesn't it? And you know who wants that gig? <laughs> how do we feel about this? Awful, man. Fucking awful is how I feel about this. Same, same. I, I, so... I got into a few, um, not arguments, but like disagreements on Twitter about this on Saturday because I, as much as... Okay, so so Mauricio Pochettino is right there. The, it's, the option is on the table for Spurs just to rehire Mauricio Pochettino. Yeah. For whatever reason, Daniel Levy has decided that he is not the best candidate for the job right now because if he were, he'd be in the, in the job, I think. Um, yeah, or lined up for it. Or lined up for it in the summer and there would be some, yeah. some strong links which are which don't exist. And I think it's I think that's reasonable. I think like that's a not unreasonable position. If he thinks that, that things have moved on, like Nathan said before, if things have moved on, some of his methods or perhaps already outdated in some degrees. Perhaps they're so reliant on Dembele that we can't repeat them. Um Chelsea have Kovacic, which helps to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Specifically. And, and maybe the relationship between Daniel Levy and Mauricio Pochettino is is not recoverable. But I'm, that doesn't I'm skeptical seem right to me. That. that doesn't seem right because because we were in for him when he was at PSG. It did feel that way. Because they didn't it? they spoke well about each other in the past. Mm. All the reporting in the past is that they ha- maintained a good relationship. That sacking Pochettino was the hardest thing that Levy's ever done. Mm. That, that that that's not the situation. To the reporting, what it seemed to be is that it's about the director of football. Pochettino doesn't want to work with the director of football. Well. Great, because right now we don't have one. By the way, we haven't even fucking talked about that. Um, uh, but presumably, we want you know. Again, the reporting is we want to replace him with a, a similar person who does less crimes in a similar yeah. role. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's not a fit for Pochettino. Um, the how that doesn't doesn't fit with Chelsea. I'm I'm not entirely clear on. Um, but I I get it. I get it. I get it from from the club's perspective, unfortunately, and I don't like it, but I get it. Um, the sort of natural follow-on from that would be to like, hey, you know, Pochettino's made himself available to Spurs. Um, we we turned him down. He's got to go. You know, he's got to cont- think about himself and continue with his. He's his got to go and... to our second biggest rival, no, yeah, no, and, 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 right. and that's where I absolutely. <laughs> disagree with anyone who thinks this is fine for Pochettino. If people are saying like, you know, what's he meant to do? Just not work anymore. I'm like, come off it. <laughs> come off it. There, there are, there, he doesn't need to work ever. Uh, yeah. He could work as a pundit. If he's if he's absolutely adamant that he wants to become a football manager again, there are, there are there, literally there hundreds be. of clubs that he could work at. And there are two yeah. that I'd rather he didn't work at and that he implied during his time at Spurs that he, he was loyal to, to the fact that he wouldn't work for ex-clubs' rivals. Um, yeah. Well, the way he spoke about Chelsea in the past was was that they were a massive rival to us. The Battle of yeah. the Bridge happened. It was a fucking big deal to fans and players and the club generally. Like, yeah. I, I honestly, if he goes to Chelsea, I, I I will lose a lot of respect for him as yeah. an individual because basically it means that he spoke a lot of bullshit during his time at Spurs. Well, I think that I think that his mentality is like. You know, he, he's not going to manage Barcelona because he was at Espanyol. He's not going to manage Arsenal because he was at Tottenham. That's it. You get one. You get one that you rule out and you've used it up on Arsenal. They're your biggest rivals. I can't not also you know, also not manage Chelsea and West Ham and Watford and Palace and Charlton, right? Just um, Chelsea and West Ham. Yeah. But also, fucking hell, man. Just wait for another gig to come along, please. Right. Don't, don't do this, dude. Do you I mean, think he not, knows? Do you think he knows how big a deal it is? He must do, right? He's not stupid, is he? He's not. He's not out of touch. The thing is, everybody, everybody here is getting so upset about Pochettino. Pochettino has been twerking for Tottenham every time one of our managers loses a game. True. There he is yeah. playing golf, having a meal, 
messing around, messing with the fans' heads, messing with Daniel Levy. And now Chelsea jobs come along and he's taking it. Part of me is like, okay, this is this is good. This is good for us. Just pulls the plaster off and now we could get on with it. Maybe this is the painful rebuild where we got to realise what we had, then it's gone. And now we could just move on with our life. So I think it's a good thing in in terms of we could stop thinking about Poch and just move on with our lives. Our ex-girlfriend's got married. That's, that's good. Let's move on. Yeah, to the fucking schoolyard bully. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> This is, the thing is, right, I don't see any way in the in which it's good. Either he does exceptionally well and people say, well, that that would feel shit. You know, the best thing that's happened to us during our, our Spurs supporting lives goes and does well with our second or third biggest rival. That would feel horrendous and everyone would go, yeah, well, look what happens it. when he's backed. Um, let's and, reframe and... that. Let's be better. Let's get a good manager in. Let's support this manager. Give this manager what he wants, and then let's do better things than what we had under Pochettino. Let's move on. Easier said than done, and also other clubs have moved on since then. I think, um, and or he fails. Um, <laughs> I mean, he probably will fail. He's going to get swallowed up by Chelsea, and everyone's like, "Well, he was shit anyway. What's the problem?" And it kind of like devalues those fantastic seasons we had in some way and and just feels grubby yeah um i don't see a way in this in which this this is a good thing buddy i i I feel horrible about the whole thing i just want him to go and find another job abroad if he's not gonna you know even if it's man U like in the future i wouldn't care but not chelsea come on not chelsea i i I don't actually think he'll I, i think he will get swallowed up at chelsea like all managers do um, then maybe you need to think about what you think of Pochettino and stop kind of um, what you call it pushing your opinions and like when you, sometimes you look at your dog and you think your dog knows what it's thinking maybe that's what we've been doing with Pochettino we're looking at this guy's fat face and thinking oh he wants to come back to Tottenham he loves Tottenham maybe he doesn't love Tottenham maybe your yeah. dog doesn't like you and um, he's just waiting for someone else to offer him a bigger piece of steak so um, Pochettino going to Chelsea good luck to him I forget about I, him I, but that, that's, I think that's manager. a that's exactly why I'd be upset about it because like what you've just said is correct. Like that's ultimately what it'll boil down to for me. Like But it doesn't diminish what he, he did. It doesn't he diminish. Wasn't, he wasn't the man I thought he was. Who is Windy? No one is no one is that person. Everyone has flaws and this is his flaw. That's such a cynical worldview. <laughs> it's a very like, I, I just I, I yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe this is what football does, so, especially at this level. Sometimes at, at Tottenham, especially, we get so caught up in even like selling our players. I'd sell a player to Chelsea for the right amount of money. I'd sell a player to anybody. Maybe we need to become a little bit colder and detached from this. Perhaps our no. attachment to Pochettino is something that's that's held us back from being able to no. move on. No, that's what's made the last three years shit. Like the coldness, the dis- the disengagement. Like I want the warmth back. I want something to like feel like it's that I'm part of again. Um, I I don't. I wouldn't take any. Uh, you sort of end up going. What's the point if we just Think sending all our, all our favourites to to our rivals? Think about your boy Josh Onoma, what he did to Josh, what he did to Carl <laughs> Walker Peters, what he did to Marcus Edwards. Think about that, Wendy. Embrace well, the hate and let yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, Darth. Um, I, I do, I do sort of get like there are definitely aspects of Pochettino that I wasn't a fan of for sure, but um, I, I would take, I'd take him back in a heartbeat at this moment. We fired him, and that must have been a kick to him. Everything that he did for us, and then we fired him. I respect his decision not to come back. Mm. I I would respect his decision not to come back. I don't respect, under any conditions, his decision to go manage Chelsea. That's a different Mm. thing. Yeah, Yeah, same. Uh, Very excited about the potential of Nagelsmann, though. Um, My number one choice. Uh, There's also reporting today from... um, What's he called? My mind's gone blank. Fabrizio Romano, of course, uh, that, that Spurs have held talks or had a conversation with Vincent Company, and again, like I'm, I'm very open to that idea. I, I've been really watching am. a lot of Burnley this week ah. and enjoying what I have to see, hmm. and then I tune in and watch Spurs, and it's fucking dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if 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 the links are as they seem to be at the moment, Nogglesman, Slot, and Company, like we could do a lot worse than either of those three managers. I, I feel like I would enjoy next season at least. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the ownership. Okay. I mean, Spurs are in a terrible place right now. And, and when Spurs are playing poorly and doing badly, um, the fans, the, the Levy out movement grows stronger. And 
I think it's now at a point where, aside from maybe the potential move to Stratford, I don't think the Levy out movement has ever been stronger than it is at this very moment. Uh, have you guys noticed that sentiment? Um, I would say that... I'd say that the Levy out movement sort of just continues to exist regardless of what's been happening for a long time, right? And then also, independently of that, you get... Um, valid criticism when there's legitimacy for valid criticism i guess for the first time you will see you know major journalists describe levy's position as untenable and things like that which hasn't really been the case before mm. um you know and, and and when when we've gone through rough patches you think about um when Sherwood was in charge and things like that um, when we've been, you know, we went into the Champions League qualification and then dropped back out into being a team who are a Europa League team again. Um, there was criticism then, but it was like, this is just a blip would be all right kind of thing. You know, look at, look at the long term. And the long term now is, is an initial 15 year period of, of upward trajectory mm. and now a five year period of stagnation and, and, um, the opposite word, mm. the bad thing, the going mm. down happening. <laughs> yeah, and I think that like you can't you can't praise the initial achievements without acknowledging what's happened since. You can't criticize what's been happening over the last few years without first acknowledging what was happening before that. Right? You have to take the full picture. But we've we've said all this. You know, all of this has been said by by us and by others that the the. Levy was a good thing and a good business mind when that was something that set him apart when he was able to sort of found this situation and build it up to a certain level and now he's in way over his head and he doesn't know what he's doing and he appoints big name coaches and he hires criminals as director of football and he just doesn't have the necessary understanding either to take us to the next level or to even maintain us at this level as the game of football has evolved around him. We know all of this and we said all of this. In terms of in terms of this becoming a Levy out podcast or an Enoch out podcast, um, it's it's screaming into the winds, right? It's it's you can't under capitalism, right? You cannot choose for someone else to stop owning something that they own. It's just not it's just not how it works. We can a apply pressure, um, we can be vocal as a as a as a as a fan base. We can make this become an undesirable job for Levy to have. I get all of that, but I don't think oh, Amelia it changes very much. Levy will have the shop until he doesn't want to have it. Um, I just I don't see him stepping down as chairman because he's more than just a guy in a role. He's also one of two owners of Tottenham. He's part owner. And uh, I don't know, until the money that is the amount that they want, Lewis and Levy want... Um, they're not going to sell. It's as simple as that. And again, I've made the comparison before. It's the same as, as Newcastle. It's the same as Mike Ashley, who was despised, despised by every single Newcastle fan. It didn't sell and didn't sell and didn't sell. And they kept it up and he didn't sell and they got relegated and he didn't sell. And, and then, um, the the nation of Saudi Arabia bids an enormous sum and he sold and that's that. There's there's nothing more to it. So uh I I support fans voicing their their frustrations. Absolutely. Um I'm I'm even potentially in support of, of organized protest and things like that. I, I'm sympathetic to that, um, without being specific or universal on that. Um, but I think ultimately a lot of this is just over our head. Yeah, I, I agree um, with the majority of that. Um, I, w I will say that the idea of Daniel Levy leaving the club entirely and new owners coming in uh, does somewhat terrify me because I, I, yeah. I worry about what the alternative owners are and who they are. Um, and I think they could be even worse in the long term for, yeah, for, for, the, for the football club. Uh, that, With all that said, I am desperate for him to step back from any involvement on the football side of the business. I think it's it's patently obvious that he's he doesn't know what he's doing in terms of appointing managers, even appointing director of football. And he needs to not be involved anymore. That's That's been obvious for a long time. And we said that for a long time. And in terms of um, throwing our weight behind movements, this is something I get asked quite a lot. I get DMs to my Windy Coys account. I, I get DMs to the Extra Inch account. Like, why aren't you doing more to facilitate change at Spurs? 
And um, my response is always the same. Like, I'm, I'm frightened about what the alternative is, but I will absolutely campaign for Levy stepping back. I think that's, I think that's something that most Spurs fans would get behind and can get yeah. behind. And we've previously mentioned this, this group, um, Change for Tottenham, who go by Change for Spurs on Twitter. And I, I had liked a lot of what they were doing initially. I liked some of their key messages. I would say that um, my admiration for that group is is now... I'm, I'm raising an eyebrow because they've been building significant momentum and they're now at a point where they're about to start arranging some stuff and yet we don't know who they are. And I think there's a, a real issue there um, around transparency and they're, they're asking the club to be transparent about a whole host of things. But they themselves have referenced co-chairs and executive members, but we don't know who those people are. And so I, I would want for them to publish who their co-chairs, who their co-chairs are, and who their executive members are before I feel like mm. I'm able to fully commit. Um, and also, I am quite concerned um, generally about like some of the Levy out movement. I think encourages essentially what's happened at Newcastle. Like some people within that movement are desperate for like Saudis to come in and buy us out. And that's not what I want for Spurs. I, I absolutely do not want that for Spurs under any circumstance. Yep. I, I, I I would really struggle to maintain my support for the club were that to happen. Um, it's something I'd have to wrestle with uh, um, if, it, if it were to happen. Um, uh, and some people just want the money at any cost. The money being pumped in, like have football manager levels of spending every every season because it's fun and that's not what that my fandom is about um and that's why that's why i'm saying like i'm worried about the alternative of daniel levy but if i can give one message it's i do not want daniel levy involved in any football decisions at this football club anymore i think that's been the case for a while but it's absolutely crystal clear now and i'm happy to support any groups that that work towards that end goal yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that we've been pretty consistent on for a while now on on this podcast. And it's it, you mentioned um, change for Spurs. They released their they call it a manifesto. They released their demands basically, and they specifically mentioned um, the same thing: Levy to step back from all football operations. And it came just a couple of days after the announcement of, of Scott Munn being chief football uh, mm. officer and it's like it was a sort of awkward moment it's like well maybe he's just done that and you think oh is this is this difficult timing now is is this goal achieved yeah where does this movement go now and then like two weeks later it's like well because paratici has been released of his duties levy is now the one leading the hiring for the new manager it's like yeah. well what the fuck is the point of scott Munn? yeah 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 exactly exactly um Buddy, do you have any anything to add? Or I mean, you've had you've said quite a lot on Levy out stuff previously, and particularly on the protests and whatnot. No, nothing more to add. I've been kind of Levy step back for for a while now. I think he's I think he's arrived at a point where he's got nothing new to give, and he keeps making bad decisions. So he just mm. needs to move away from the football side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I should have mentioned James Sullivan sent us a question about that. So thanks, James. Appreciate the uh, the talking point. Um, anything else you guys would like think- to cover? I do agree with you, though, about the transparency. We need to know who's behind it. You need to know what, what individuals are, are, are pushing change for Tottenham. Mm. And um, it, It's like the, the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. You need to know who the people are so you can so you can understand whether or not it's the right move. Yeah, and that's something I have always admired about, admired about the Supporters Trust. They have um, full transparency, um, published accounts, yeah. um, a published governance structure, um I, I like the way they're they're run. Um I don't necessarily always agree with them, but I can appreciate the the way the organization is run. Um Mock Bell for the mail has reported that we're sacking Stellini just now. Excellent. Um I mean so I, I think the time to sack Christian Stellini was um when we appointed <laughs> Christian Stellini. Uh <laughs> you know, sack him along with Conte, but it, it absolutely had to happen. After this defeat, it's it's completely untenable. He, he's his position is completely untenable at this point. Um, did, one thing I was going to mention to you guys: Did you see his pre-match interview with Sky? No. Was he like really aggy? Really aggy. Like it just seemed like he had a bee in his bonnet. They asked him whether he was playing a four-three-three, and he didn't like being questioned on his tactics. And like in hindsight, <laughs> you, you wonder about what message that gave to the players. And you wonder about like, so, so was he playing a four three three simply because Davinson Sanchez got booed to fuck last week because of his own yeah. stupid decision? 
So he's backed himself into a corner there uh, and then obviously reaped the consequences. And he's essentially done to Davinson Sanchez now, as done to Pat Matasar what he did to Davinson Sanchez. Like, had to take him off in a very unceremonious way. Um, uh, and now official from the club as well, club update from Daniel. Should I just read this aloud? Read it, read it aloud. Read it aloud. Go for it. The page is still loading because a billion people on the website right now. Here we go. Here we go. You got it. You got it. Nice. Sunday's performance against Newcastle was wholly unacceptable. It was devastating to see. We can look at many reasons why it happened, and whilst myself, the board, the coaches, and the players must all take collective responsibility, ultimately the responsibility is mine. Christian will leave his current role along with his coaching staff. Christian stepped in at a difficult point in our season, and I want to thank him for the professional manner in which he and his coaching staff have conducted themselves during such a challenging time. We wish him and his staff well. Ryan Mason will take over head coach duties with immediate effect. Ryan knows the club and the players well. We shall update further on his coaching staff in due course. I met with the player committee today. The squad is determined to pull together to ensure the strongest possible finish of the season. We are all clear we need to deliver the performances which earn your amazing support. Come on, you Spurs, Daniel. Come on, you Spurs. How are you writing that at the end? And also, <laughs> the knows the club, Claxon. <laughs> he's young. He's English. <laughs> uh, so there was reports... Earlier today, that the players were in favour of Mason taking the reins for the rest okay. of the season. Fine. Uh, well, I now think let's he does have stop blowing. Yeah, yeah, he he clearly is well liked within the squad, and I think it's it's obvious why he's an extremely likable man. Actually, really, really smart and switched on has some some fresh ideas, and I'm really I'm really pleased. I think this is what we should have done originally. And to be honest, what Daniel Levy will be thinking of is we need to finish in the European places because. We need that income. That that generates even the Europa Conference League will generate revenue that we wouldn't otherwise have. As it stands, we're we're on track to fall out of those places. Even you know we're playing that badly that we could lose God knows how many of our last matches and end up outside the Europa Conference League. Levy wants that money. Um, my own view is if we qualify for the Europa Conference League, I think it is a a tin pot competition, and we should literally play the kids. And I think we should let Ryan Mason take charge for those matches so that it doesn't impact on the training requirements for the first team or the coaching, the first team coaching staff. Um, sure. and, and I think that way you can both manage the fatigue of the players and essentially have a European free season whilst also being in the Europa Conference League and give your youth team some much-needed experience. I think that would be the, the way that I would manage it. I saw a really good tweet this morning from uh, at Nope Dunno. Um, good account. Good Twitter good, account. Really good account. Uh, so this is on Mason taking over because this is reported as, as a potential thing this morning. He said when um, when Mason came in after Mourinho, all he had to do was tell them to play more offensively and, and use the defensive shape that was already there and just release the shackles a little bit. Whereas in this situation, we're leaking goals all over the place. We, we're formationally lost. Yeah. Um, it, it, we need like a proper coach to come in and that this is a big challenge for Mason. He can't just sort of do a gentler, nicer, easier version of what was going on before. I think that's a big, a, a big, uh, a really good point. In fact, I'm going to retweet it now. I think that that's, um, it's a little scary. I'm, I'm definitely uh, nervous and curious about what Mason mm. can can achieve under these circumstances. What ideas? How much it will just be like a continuation of a continuation of what there was before? Yeah. Um, obviously, he's got other ideas from working with other coaches and his own ideas here, but uh, it's a uh, it's a curious one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good point. I think he's going to need some support from from more experienced coaches. I, I hope I would hope that they've got someone in mind that they can point to support Mason, maybe Powell, possibly. Um, I would support that. Um, and yeah, he can't. It can't just be pure vibes, can it? Um, although, to be honest, I think like just asking the players to to be a bit more creative and play on the front foot will at least mean we have the ball more and not therefore defending less. I think that's what we tried to do against Newcastle and it was a catastrophe. Did you? I, I, I feel for Stellini a little bit, a little bit, because I think that he was in such a situation. Like, if he'd played Davinson in a back three against Newcastle, we'd be lambasting him as we were doing the previous week and the previous week. We, we, we had made four centre-backs on the bench. <laughs> I, half of them aren't fit enough to start, though, right? It's, but he could have played Tanganga. He, okay, fine. I, I, there, are some, there are some details in there. But to a larger point, the squad is a mess. Injuries have ravaged us um you can't pick a correct formation i think that it's a really tricky situation for mason to come into and it was a tricky situation for stellini as well before him i, I think that that's fair to acknowledge 
I think back to basics, back four, Ben Davis at left back, t- essentially doing the, what he did under Mourinho. I think straight away that is a more steady defence. Yeah. Um, two defensive midfielders, get Dan Juma in the team, get some get some connection with Kane. Um, I, 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 think, I think we'll see some better football. I think we're going to get absolutely destroyed by Liverpool still. I think honestly, oh, yeah, I think no Liverpool doubt. are going to thrash. Like it could be, it could be worse than the Newcastle game. That Liverpool match, I'm I'm really fearful about it. Um, I'm quite curious about this player committee. Who do you think's on it? I suspect it will be Kane and Larice. <laughs> well, obviously Larice is the captain. Who did Larice lamp at halftime? Oh who yeah, did what do you think happened? With? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He definitely swung at somebody. Someone goes, just catch the ball, you fucking dickhead. And then he's went, he's got to swing at somebody. It's all kicked off for sure. Larice has had well, a fight with someone. Maybe it was Cellini. Maybe maybe he went for Stellini, and that's that's the that's the player committee. That's like the reason we've stacked sacked him is because Larice has said no. This guy is a clown. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's sold into his face at halftime. He's been substituted as a result, and now he's told Daniel Levy, "This bloke doesn't know what he's doing. Get rid of him immediately. We all want Mason to take charge." And I'm going on strike until you do, and I'm going to have a fucking riot. I'm going to burn does shit Ryan down Mason around the training ground because he's French, does, isn't it? Does Ryan Mason put massive <laughs> Fraser in goal on Thursday? <laughs> No, because remember, remember he just played like the good lads last time. He played, you know, his mates. <laughs> well, <laughs> so if, if, if Larissa's has campaigned for Mason to to be the new yeah. the new manager, he can't he can't now drop him. But he he absolutely should play Fraser Forster. I mean, we we actually improved instantly with Fraser Forster on the pitch just from him being there. Mm, like the true. calmness he brings. Anyway. You think this is a, a succession plan by Larice to get further game time? He, he was told that he was about to be dropped, so he began making political moves within the hierarchy. If That's Mason a little galaxy Shoryberg, brain, but I like it. If Mason drops Shoyberg, I'm fully on board. Mason gets a full time job. <laughs> We're recalling winks from loan. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate if you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the extra inch. Email us at podcast at the extra inch. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.